Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Two Chunks and a Hunk, movie musings for mostly everybody. Welcome to Two Chunks and a Hunk. My name is Jordan Wonders, and this week I am your hunk. Oh. I'm Doge, and I will kidnap a thousand children before I let this chunk die. And I'm Carter, and I'm chunking you, Wazowski. Always chunking. That's a different movie, huh? It's grosser. Just it's always growing him. <laughs> Just throwing him. With I her. don't know that I like it. Hey, Jordan. Old slug arms. Hey, Doge. You said some pretty crazy things. That's true. This episode made some pretty wild claims. That's true. I'm going to need you to back him up. Why are you the hunk? Share that hunk. So here's the deal. During this quarantine. Yep. I have been pursuing the perfect sandwich. Ooh. Ooh. I've been reading and your blog. Man's yeah. eternal quest. <laughs> It uh, it's taken me a little while, but I've learned some tricks of the trade, and and I've decided that I've created the perfect sandwich in a subgenre, which is uh, cold cuts. Okay, you know, not like a hot sandwich. This is a cold sandwich, certainly. Um, but I think I've I think I've done it. Please explain. I'd I like to you walk to, you, you owe it to our listeners to share sure, it with them. Certainly. So we have found um, some bread that we like, which is. Not an easy task right now, but we have found uh, Pepperidge Farms uh, Hardy White. Hardy okay. White. And you can what does tell that, that mean? it's good. It's hearty and white. Now, you can tell that it's good because on the top of the bread, there's a light dusting of something. Now, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Wait, on but every slice? Oh, you mean on every like the slice. outside? Oh, yeah, okay. on the crust. The crust. There's a... a there's a, a light dusting of something white and powdery. Uh, I assume this to be flour and just for looks, but it's artisanal as heck. So you know that's the real deal. That is how you know. That's true. So, and you know what I mean? You know when fancy bread's a little bigger than regular bread? You know what I mean? We got a loaf of Pepperidge Farms oatmeal bread yeah, in, the fri- in the fridge right now. Sorry, in the where? In the fridge so that it stays good for longer. Okay, mom. We put our so, bread in the fridge too. Mm. Hmm, so, where's your bread? Did you just put it right in the toilet or the trash can? Yeah, actually, yes. No, it's on my countertop. And what I do is I take two pieces of this big artisanal powdery white bread. Wow, you already lost me there I put with it, the two pieces. I put it on a paper plate, okay? Which side faces up, it doesn't matter yet because bread's double-sided. I take some spicy brown mustard, a la French's, and I just splatter that all over that bread, take a butter knife, spread it like a thin layer. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? You get it. Then, and this is where I might lose some people. I take a handful of Sun Chips Harvest Cheddar. Dude, I knew there were going to be chips on this sandwich. I knew sandwich. this was coming. I knew this was a chip sandwich. I and knew I there were going to be chips on this sandwich. I lay those chips atop one of the pieces of bread. Okay. <laughs> then I take two big old thick pieces of pepper jack cheese, turn them diamond, set them overlapping on the other piece of bread. So now I've got a piece of bread with mustard and harvest cheddar sun chips and a piece of bread with mustard and pepper jack cheese. Okay. Then 
what I do is I take some deli thin sliced turkey, but when you lay it down on the bread, you do it in a twisting motion like you're making a fancy <laughs> napkin for a party. <laughs> because I read online that when you take cold cuts, you want that airspace in between to trap some flavor. So you twist, you don't lay it flat. You do not lay it flat. Hey, I, I is that like a... Maybe if you're a butcher and you're laying your own cold cut, is that apply to Oscar Mayer cold cuts as well? Oh, Oscar Mayer. Oscar Mayer. Is that what you think of me? Actually, I think it is Oscar Mayer. Yeah, I think it is Oscar Mayer. Oscar Mayer, Farms. And then um, go meet. So like <sighs> you do it like you're screwing in a light bulb as you lay it down. You just sort of twist it all flowery and pretty. So, uh, you know, you take as many pieces as you need to cover all your space. Then you season. I'm I'm a salt, pepper, parsley kind of guy. You know what I mean? Just put that in there. Freshly ground, of course, not the parsley. That's crazy. And say, wow. To finish it off. Now, this is simple, but it's perfect. You know, have you ever seen pickles that are cut so thick that you're like, you might as well just not even have anything else in the sandwich? Because those are the yeah. pickles that I'm talking about. Yeah. Just that's pickle with two C's. Yeah. Pickle with two C's. It's pickle. It's a thickle. And yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's I, I put some dill thickles on my sandwich. <laughs> Stop. Lay those down. And I'm talking full surface area. I'm not talking too like a Chick-fil-A sandwich. I'm talking every bite has some pickle in it. And I'll, t- I'll tell you what my trick is. You want to know my trick? Not really. But has this whole thing been your trick? I thought I that's don't, what we were talking about. I don't drip dry the pickles. I just throw it on there, juice and all. Who drip dries their pickles? Right. No, no, no. You, <laughs> you walk in, in and you someone's hang got my pickles them. in the closet for <laughs> no, no, a got them on a line when you, when you above take, the sink. When you take the pickle out and you do that up and down thing to get some of the drips off, you know what I'm talking about. So you just get all that pickle juice in your sandwich. Big time. So you've Very just described much. a gooshy sour sandwich. No, no. I would have if the pickles were going directly on the bread. But they're not going directly on the bread, are they, Doge? Because you remember all those air pockets in the turkey? Now the pickle juice has a place to live. That fills in. You throw that bread on top. I'm not cutting this sandwich. I'm diving straight in. And this is a hearty boy. And I'll tell you what. So this, this is such a hearty boy. It should be solving mysteries. I wouldn't have it any other way. That's my sandwich. And it's why I'm the hunk. Well, if you, like me, think this has been incredible podcasting, we would love it if you could give us five stars on iTunes, drop us a review, maybe hit that subscribe (laughs) button for more great sandwich content like this. I know there is someone out there who just heard me describe that sandwich and got hungry. I know Uh, it. It's me. Surprise. It's me. I'm hungry. You You guys are treating me like I'm off on an island somewhere, not enjoying the best sandwich, but I am. I have a food I have a food related fact that I need to share with you guys. I meant to talk about this before we started recording and now if I don't share it I will never get to. I am for the first time in this weird time I'm out of beans and I need <laughs> beans because I'm making chili. And so later today I have to put on a mask and venture out into the blighted lands just, in search just. of a can of beans and it's the most Cormac McCarthy the road situation I've ever been in. <laughs> just to get beans. Just beans. I need dark red kidney beans. You can't have chili without dark red kidney beans. Dude, I love beans in my chili. There's like a whole army of people who you've just got a crossbow on chili. your back. <laughs> just like I'm out here. For I shouldn't some have beans. trimmed my beard because I could I could have had that apocalypse beard, a mask in search of a can of beans, and it would have been like I don't know. It would have been some real good post apocalyptic fiction. Hey, Somebody I have read the maybe. road. Do not bring your son. No, definitely not. <laughs> the Doge. Yeah. Cormac McCarthy presents the Doge. <laughs> it's the road, hey. but with beans. <laughs> I know that based on the fact that we are approximately eight minutes into this podcast episode Dude, and haven't talked about it once. Sandwich description. <laughs> That's the first and last time we're hearing about Jordan's sandwich on this podcast for the sake of this economically using our time. <laughs> Dude, imagine if he was making a Subway footlong. Dude, we'd, we'd have still time. be talking about it. Yeah, I, I, typically, what if, <laughs> I typically base my sandwich descriptions on a cubic inch type situation. You describe by area, and yeah. we all know that's true. I, I yeah. totally was expecting you to be like, and then that's the first deck of this double deck. Then we've got <laughs> after that. No, 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 no. Have you heard of bread? Point, it just gets wild. It just hey gets guys, wild. We're still talking about that freaking sandwich. For those of you listening at home that are like, why is it always Dozier Carter that's the hunk and why is it never Jordan? This is why. <laughs> it's because of this. It's because I don't deserve it. <laughs> but you know who does deserve a lot of time and recognition? 
James P. Sullivan, star hero of a movie that's part of our Pixar Picks, Pick What Picture Pixar Pixar series. Not only part of it, the finale of it, our final movie known locally and colloquially as Monsters, Monsters Inc. Incorporated. Incorporated. And it's worth mentioning, statistically, dear listener, this is your favorite Pixar movie. This won our poll for yep. Pixar Picks, Pick What Picture First Pixar place. Pixar. First place, not only did this movie win, but my boy Jimothy also won first place in Spring Delirium. Yeah, in Spring Delirium. Sully, our, yeah. Our listener Champion. base knows what they're about. As do I. Now, Doge, do you have a synapse for us? I didn't, but then it took a year for me to hear what your sandwich was like, and I found <laughs> one while you were doing that. So Good. yeah, I That's have amazing. one. So it's, it's really, it's really a, a net equal on either side then. Well, yeah, sure. Okay, I should be the hunk more then, I guess, is what we're all hearing. This week's synopsis is written by Anthony Pereira. Mm. Anthony writes, A city of monsters with no humans called Monstropolis centers around the city's power company, Monsters, Inc. There's no humans called Monstropolis? (laughs) The lovable, confident, tough, furry, blue, behemoth-like, giant monster named James P. Sullivan, better known as Sully, and Jordan, his you can't get upset at that long description. I'm not done. And his wisecracking best friend, short, green, cyclops, monster, Mike Wazowski, discover what happens when the real world interacts with theirs in the form of a two-year-old baby girl dubbed Boo, who accidentally sneaks into the monster world with Sully one night. And now it's up to Sully and Mike to send Boo back in her door before anybody finds out, especially two evil villains, such as Sully's main rival as a scarer, chameleon-like Randall, a monster that Boo is very afraid of, who possesses the ability to change the color of his skin, and Mike and Sully's boss, Mr. Waternoose, the chairman and chief executive officer of Monsters, Inc. So is this what you call purple prose, right? Just all of that? Oh, big time. Yeah, all of that description for uh, virtually no benefit. Well, and it's funny because there might be a thematic link between all that description for virtually no benefit and maybe something else that happened closer to the top of this episode. I never, never used that many adjectives for anything. I could have. I know a lot of adjectives and I could have used so many more than I did. Dude, I love your flex on how many adjectives you know. consider yourselves lucky because I am a bottomless pit of adjectives. Dude, you're and always talking you're always talking about how many modifiers you know, adjectives, <laughs> adverbs, all that stuff. I just wish for once you'd eat a slice of humble pie. I could tell you a recipe for it that would take me an hour to say. <laughs> Sorry, did you say eat? Because I know a lot of verbs too. <laughs> Let's talk about this movie, please. <laughs> yeah, please. Uh did, did you guys see this in theaters? Yep. Uh-huh. Same. Uh, I was a, a wee baby tot. I cried big tears. It was the first movie I ever cried at in a theater besides Toy Story, which I was too young to really cry at. Just so about. this wasn't like a, not like a scared of this movie, no, but no, like no, no, a, no. emotionally feeling it. I, I cried because I thought that Sully would never see Boo again. Yeah. Ball my eyes out like a big someone baby. Did, someone did that last night too while they watched it. I'm not saying who. <laughs> not going to say who. <laughs> <laughs> I was 13 when I saw it. So does, so, okay, for me, this is my favorite Pixar movie. Me too. And I think this opens up. for me. Okay, fair enough. What's number one for you? Toy Story? Yeah. I I think this follows our discussion from yesterday's Mini Monday about maybe timing with some of these things. Um, As far as like when you saw them, where you were in your life, how old you were. I think, I think a lot of that plays into how I feel about this movie. Yeah. Because from the moment this movie starts, the music Randy Newman, you genius. The music, the atmosphere, the colors, the character design, everything about this movie just like warms my soul. Yeah. Yeah. This movie was, uh, this was one of those movies for me as a, a kid. And I think everybody has those movies when they're kids, right? But this is like, it was this movie and it was really everything that I saw until about 2004, um, I think Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 2 was probably the end of that kind of era of movies for me. Yeah. Uh, but this fits in alongside with things like Attack of the Clones and uh, like other stuff I was seeing at that time that I was just like, I am going to get the two disc special edition DVD of this and I'm going to sit in my room all day long and watch the behind the scenes stuff of how they made these movies. 100%. And like, 
this this movie is one of the like five or six reasons that I think I'm a movie boy, that I love movies so much. That's awesome. Like, Monsters, Inc. is a huge part of that. I actually yeah. noticed that on Disney Plus, they included the theatrical version of the movie, which did not have the bloopers during the credits, nor did it have the get that thing back where it came from musical at the end. That's my super dump. Wait, that is that it really? Stuff, that that stuff wasn't at the end of this movie. <laughs> because I finished this movie last night and I looked at Jess and I was like, is it perfect? I don't, I can't think of anything. Dude, like I that, know. That I think, I think that's going to have to be my super dump. Is that there was a they cheap didn't super the dump? I had to is it find because them of on the YouTube. Pla- is it I because of too. the platform? No. So it's you're actually so super dumping Disney Plus? It It originally released in theaters without any of that stuff. And then a month or two later, they re-released it and like kind of pushed like, Hey, we put it out again, but this time it's got this blooper reel and this funny musical at the end. They pushed it out again to get a second wave of people in the theaters. I didn't realize that was ever theatrical. Yeah. Because that stuff is noticeably lower quality on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, It's theatrical. Yeah. But, but the original theatrical release didn't have it. Uh, I was, I was reading about this because I was so confused. My guess is when they remastered it and re-upscaled it to to 4K for Disney Plus, the theatrical theatrical version version. is is the one that they went with then because this other stuff is lower quality animation anyway. I just can't believe it wasn't in the bonuses on Disney Plus or anything like that because like Bugs Lives are and things like that. Um, But yeah, all of the DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff always have it in the credits and it's the only really form of credits for this movie that I'm familiar with or remember. And so when they didn't play, I was very concerned. Yeah, but I found them. They're on YouTube. Well, that's my super dump. <laughs> no, honestly, I get it. I was I was hurt. I was crushed by this. <laughs> Mark but, me is unhappy with this super dump. This one has an <laughs> asterisk for me in the history of two chunks. That's fair. Now I do want to talk find something about, else. I'll I'll change it. I'll find something else to. Super <laughs> I do want to talk about John Goodman and Billy Crystal. The perfect cast. Unbelievably good. Yeah. Their chemistry is off the charts. Yeah. Well, they were I one of the first uh, voice actors to, to request to be in the same studio uh, for a lot of their lines. Mm. In the animation, wow. like voiceover like era, these two wanted to work off of each other, which makes total sense. Um, Absolutely. But yeah. you can feel it in the, in, in the finished product. You can feel oh, that yeah. they're in the same place. Like that, that was one of our, I think all three of us said that about last summer's Lion King remake where it was like it's so clear that none of them were in the same room as each other right uh, yeah. because all the lines felt wooden and detached and this one like they feel like i don't know it i i totally forget that it's billy crystal and john goodman it feels like it's mike and sully actually interacting with each other 100 percent. i mean how do you so how do you escalate without a baseline do you know what i mean like if you're not in the same yeah. room and i think that's something they do so well is um, they can't escalate off of each other. Uh, the first scene that we get of them with Mike waking Sully up to work out is unbelievably so memorable. To Wonderful. Me. Yeah. It's like burned into my brain somewhere. The whole like twins in a bunk bed. Er, ah, er, like the timing of it and everything <laughs> yep. is just in there. Um, now, I, I was so impressed. Not only is this movie just about perfect, it starts so strong. Yes. Like it, it like with the credits, like before we've actually seen characters. Yeah. Like credits and then jumping straight into this uh, after we kind of get our scene. Yeah. The way that we establish this world and the rules of this world is, I think, and I can't think of an example that does it better. I think it might be the most elegant and unobtrusive world building that I've ever seen in a movie. I mean, I can tell you all about it. And it's only 80 minutes long. Like I can, like, like the, they've managed the to way do that this. We intro it, the way that we set up the factory, that right. screams are what powers the factory, that there's an energy shortage. Like all of this is so well done. In the first like 15 minutes of this movie, we have a complete and fully realized picture of this entire world and economy. Like, yeah. It's unbelievably good. C- Carter, <laughs> I think you're right. Um, 80 minutes long and yet fully realized, I think. It's unbelievable. It really is. It is, it is so stinking good. I think when we're talking back about Billy Crystal and John Goodman, I think we could have a total episode talking about them. First of all, John Goodman's contributions to Disney in general. I looked it up. He has done seven Disney movies. Oh my gosh. Um, septuple Dizzer. A he's septuple a Septuple Dizzer. dizzer. So he's, 
So he's Pacha, Sully, he's Baloo in one of the Jungle Books. Yeah, he's, Sully he's is Sully twice. twice. Sully twice. He's Pacha, Pacha, I guess, twice. He's a character in a car in Cars, I think. He has, uh, that was one of the ones that, oh, that showed up for me. Because at the end of Cars 1, they go to the drive-in theater and they're watching scenes from all the Pixar movies, but ev- this, they're Monster cars. Trucks That's and right. Monsters mm-hmm. Incorporated. And I Monster think Trucks he's, Incorporated. he's Princess and the Frog, if we haven't said that. Oh, wow. And then I think the other one is like a second Jungle Book or something, or a, a, or a Prince of Thieves or something. I can't remember. Yeah. <clears throat> it's one of the classics, but it's a sequel. Is it Roseanne? <laughs> That's my favorite know. Disney cartoon. <laughs> yeah, I think that I don't think about John Goodman enough in my life. I think about him all the time. John Goodman shows up. John Goodman legitimately might be one of my like, he should have been, I think a long time ago in a mini Monday, we said, who would you have around a campfire? If you could pick five actors alive or yeah. dead, John Goodman should have mm-hmm. been one of them. He happens to be yeah. kind of touch on all of my favorites. I love the Coen brothers. So he's in uh, a brother art thou. He's in big Lebowski, which is Part yeah. of the reason it, the relationship he developed with Steve Buscemi, the one he even had before that, is one of the main reasons, yeah. Steve, if not the reason Steve Buscemi is Randall, because it's Goodman who said you should get him, which was perfect in the first place. Um, Such a gosh. bizarre choice, though. Oh, but yeah. so perfect. good. I think yeah. it's great. Yeah, so good. But yeah, he just shows up. Goodman is just kind of in a, a lot of things that I love. And he's so unique. He's one yeah. of those actors that feels like we're never going to have this kind of person again. There will never be oh, another John no, Goodman. No. And I think his range is pretty unbelievable to be able to be dramatic. Completely. I think that's why he's perfect for Sully. He gets to be funny, but I think honestly, Mike Wazowski is funnier than Sully. And I think Completely. Mike is, yeah. is possibly the funniest Pixar character ever. Um, I think I agree. But yeah, for to also be able to pull off the tearjerker thing at the end that we'll have some more time to talk about, you had to have somebody that I think could emote in that way. And yeah, yeah. I, it th- perfect. Yeah, yeah. I I I don't know that I disagree with literally a single thing you just said. I I think that he, really both of them. But just I'm gonna go ahead and say the casting in general. There is not a miscast character in this movie. No. Yeah. And like I, even side characters. No. No. It's like if if you were to say okay, if John Goodman was a monster, what would he look like? Correct. Exactly that. They did it. Yeah. And they did it for Billy yeah. Crystal. And they did it for Bushimi, I would even say. Like, yeah, 100%. And then you've got, uh, let's keep talking about this because the character design in this movie is one of my favorite things. It's so good. It's, it's incredibly diverse. Maybe the most diverse, like looking characters in any Pixar movie, just as far as the wide range of weirdness going on. Um, but you've got like one of my favorite sequences is Harryhausen's and everything that comes <laughs> after it. Um, specifically yeah. the interview, um, yeah. where the one guy, you know, she picked me up with her mind power, shook me like a dog. And then yeah. Oh, yeah. the one, <laughs> it's true. I saw the whole thing. He's got a thousand eyes. Yeah. Um, that just in that 10 minutes of the beginning of Harryhausen's to that interview and when they're watching it on TV, uh, man, you've got to see three or four dozen different types of monster. I have never felt this delighted in like character creation in animation. Uh, you, I, I would, I would think like you said, Jordan, this is the most wide of a range that we've seen in a Pixar movie, but yeah. I have not felt this delighted since I saw nightmare before Christmas. And I met all the yeah. characters from that town right. uh, and how all different shape they look like. But the great thing about monsters Inc is they got to just do whatever they wanted, but they also Correct. kind yes. of respected the world they made within the first 10 minutes. It's, it's that we've got the monster that we only see its feet and it, and it box <laughs> right. like a chicken. Yes. Like what? Okay. Ted. Yeah. The eye that's looking through the window when they're walking down the yep. street, the kids jumping rope with the tongue yes. um, with the, with the, what is it? The CDA with the CDA, you've got the one uh, where his suit is form fitting to his two eyes. And when he's confused, yep. he looks himself in the eye and yes. shrugs. it's just also Goodness creative. Gracious. So that's kind of the thing. Like, I think that's going to be my super pump for this movie. Yeah. Is just the like, to me, it felt like they said, hey, there is no ceiling. What's the weirdest, wackiest, wildest thing you can come up with for what a monster might look like? Sure, let's do it. And then there is such a like a unbridled, unbound creativity in these character designs and the way that we incorporate all of that into this very like mid-century feeling like like nuclear age world. Like it's just like, it is so unique. I think this might be one of the most unique 
movies that we've talked about. There's nothing else that's even kind of like it. Right. And I don't, I don't actually know that this would get made today. Yeah. I don't don't think so. I, I don't think like, I don't think Pixar would even make this today because it is so, so weird. Yeah. Well, and I I think this movie is responsible for a lot of weird looking character animated movies that we got after it that were completely subpar because they thought, oh, just make crazy looking stuff. But they didn't have the charm that this movie had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and, and I actually want to stay in that vein, the vein you opened up about sort of the feeling of it, Doge. Yeah. Um, Because I want to talk about the scare floor the first time we get there. Yeah. Um, You know, they're walking like it's, uh, um, oh, what's the movie? Where they go to stop the apocalypse. Are you talking about uh, Armageddon? Yeah. Right. yeah. The, the, the door's coming up and the music's slow and they all walk in. Yeah. But then it, it immediately shifts to this jazz as everybody's putting in teeth and growling and busting through doors. And Sully and Randall are competing with each other. And it's kind of funny, but it's kind of intense. And, you know, he scares, he gets like 30 canisters and he comes out, cracks his knuckles, slumber party. You know, that yes, whole thing. Yeah, that's so good. And, and I think that is emblematic of um, just sort of the, the overall vibe of this movie um, and the uniqueness that it has, like you were just saying, Doge, it, it, it manages to swing between lighthearted, fun, and like really goofy and then really serious and intense in a way that would almost <clears throat> feel schizophrenic if it weren't done so carefully. I think even look at the scarers themselves as like a microcosm of this movie. Cause there's this there, they are this weird amalgamation of professional athlete and right. like cold call salesman and like factory, factory worker. floor worker. Right. Like it's so weird, but it right. works so well. It's like meet your quota, but also like punch your time card, but also like everybody wants your autograph. It's so yes. Yeah, weird is the perfect word. It's so weird. I think there's enough pieces to this movie and this script and this world to say that like Monsters Incorporated is Pixar's most creative production, I think, personally. I think I agree with you. Inside Out is probably it, close. Yeah, it would either be this or Inside Out. I think Out Inside, Out, Inside Out is close, but Inside Out has pretty legitimate source material, right? It's creative because yeah. it's tying something that we can all yeah. feel. It's creative in a very unique way. And it's, yeah. it's, Monsters it's Inc. probably, it's new. probably a separate ranking on its own for Inside Out, but like Monsters Inc. is just pulled out of a hat. Like it's unbelievable. Completely. Yeah. And it feels I like think the only too, thing, only thing is monsters live in my closet and they're like, okay, yeah, we yes. can work with that. Right. And that, so almost, almost my super pump, not my super pump, but massive pump for me is that in, in a Pixar way of like learning something, yes, like. We're learning to uh, not judge people or not just assume certain things like from career to relationships to all that kind of stuff. But what this movie ultimately does is it has taken something that is centuries old, which is like the monster, like the the boogeyman. And what it's doing for families is saying like, how many kids do you think aren't afraid of monsters under their bed or in the closet anymore? Because their parents have to just say- well, they just, if you see them, they're probably going to make you laugh. Like there's a legitimate way yeah. to kind of That's change uh, a little bit of, of like young kid in their mind culture. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's lying so, it's so effective. <laughs> well, it's better because you're seeing it in no, person. I think it's great. Like our culture sees, sees Santa Claus a certain way because Coca-Cola said, well, he needs to wear red. Right. Yeah. And so it's like. I don't know. It, it feels in the same vein of, of it probably has some more influence than we give it credit for outside that of movies. So oh, interesting. Sure. Yeah. Now I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about boo and just her whole thing. So boo's my super pump for <laughs> this movie because in a land of crazy monsters and really great writing and incredible music and like, great cinematics and colors and everything. Boo somehow still manages to be like my anchor point for this movie. She is funny. And I, I would posit the cutest creation of Pixar for me. And she's just a human toddler. I love boo. Super pumped. Yeah. Yep. I'm trying to think of other cuties <laughs> out there. So nervous. All your faces. I was like, Oh, they disagree. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like, Jack, Jack is cute. In a different way. I'm trying to think of like some of the cutest characters. So in Monsters University, we get Baby Mike, who is very cute. That's true. Uh, in Finding Dory, we get Baby Dory, who is very cute. Baby That's Ian true. in that picture from Onward was pretty adorable, actually. 
Squirt is pretty cute. Squirt is cute. But no, yeah, Boo. Still I think I'm going boo, with Boo. Yeah, Boo is still it. Yeah. Boo has the advantage of having a lot of time on screen. Oh, and Boo is so actually actually voiced by a little baby girl. Yeah. yeah. So Talk to us about the that because I love the other winner. Yeah, they followed uh, this little girl named Mary Gibbs. They followed her around the studio with a boom mic. And we're just like, can you interact with this? And then, uh, so there were things in the script, like, like, uh, you know, we need her to be angry at this point or something like that. But yeah. a lot of her, like, just like baby talk, a baby noises yeah. was just her ad-libbing. And I have never thought about until I was watching this for the podcast, like how the animators that had to go in and listen to her baby talk and figure out how to make an animated character mouth those sounds yeah. are the unsung heroes of this movie. Yes. That's pretty nuts. You know, the, the, the scene in Mike and Sully's apartment right after Harry Housen's when the helicopter is shining its spotlight everywhere. And, uh, we hard cut to boo coloring on the ground. Yeah. And she just looks up and goes, ah, <laughs> we see a <laughs> fruit a, loop fly into her uh, mouth. A creature crisp. Oh, sorry. Yes. A creature crisp, <laughs> man. Yeah, she's just, and I realize that a lot of time her humor is because she's kind of used as a prop, but it's so funny and so well done and so adorable. Yeah. Um, now, much in the same way that Mike and Sully have to rapidly run away from Harry Housen's, we have to rapidly run away from the normal flow of this episode so that we can go head on down to Shout Announcement. Head on down to Shout Announcement Town. That's exactly what I thought you were going to say. Welcome to Shout Announcements. It's the part of the show higher, where we higher. give. I don't think it. Welcome to Shout Announcements. Yep. The part of the show where we give <laughs> shoutouts and make announcements. That's right now. I want to talk to you, dear listeners, about Patreon. It's this cool thing that we're a part of, where we get to have extra special bonus stuff just for our patrons, patrons, our Patreon subscribers, our patrons, and on it we have bonus episodes. Special web pages that only you can visit. For instance, right about now, you could probably go access our Onward episode in honor of our Pixar Picks, Picks What Picture, Pixar Pixar series. We reviewed Onward, Pixar's newest entry, and uh, pretty spicy review. It's like that mustard on your Sammy. Yeah, it was very interesting, and 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 I think it's a great episode actually. Um, I do. If you're a patron, you can get that. And patrons only have to pay $3 a month. You're not buying gas right now. And even if you did gas, they give you $37 just to take gas out of their hands right now. That's what I read. I so did read go that. Ahead. Just go take some gas for $37 and then use three of that 37 to become a patron. Or use all of it for the full year. That would work. And you'd still have a dollar left over. You have a dollar left over. Wow. Thanks for tuning into our budgeting tips podcast. <laughs> <laughs> The next thing we want to talk about on our Budgeting Tips podcast is how you can help our Budgeting Tips podcast. And you can do that by subscribing to our show uh, over on iTunes or over on Google Play Store or whatever other podcast situation uh, you fancy. And you can also, while you're there, write us a review uh, and leave us a rating Um, because, to be honest, our egos are really fragile and we need you to tell us if we're doing a good job or not. It's true. Speaking of doing a good job, uh, the movie business has understandably uh, been smart, we can say, even even at the uh, disgruntlement of, of those of us that consume those big blockbuster movies that come during the summer. Stuff's being moved. It's not the same. Like, even if this pandemic is lifted and you can go back outside, if you go to the theater, there's not going to be much there for you. And so we don't mm-hmm. want to have, while, while our world will say... We're taking this season from you. Two Chunks wants to come in and say, no, you're not. And so we're going to give you a blockbuster season. And so our our next movies, though, there's a little bit of a twist. These are going to be movies that were assumed to have done well. Uh, I guess if you were to search these on the Internet as we were researching things like flop, things like bust, um, movies that lose upwards of uh, oopsie daisies, like nine, nine figure type of losses. So our next series, one that said, ouch, my movie eyes hurt. (laughs) <laughs> yes. from watching this movie. Yes. Our next series is going to be called Block Busted. We're mm. going to talk about four movies that uh, spent a lot of money only to not make it back. Um, I don't know how else to describe this. They are movies that 
a lot was expected of them. They probably showed up on your Dr. Pepper can. Uh, they were toys in your McDonald's <laughs> Happy Meal. Uh, and then they they got all this hype only to find out that the Dr. Pepper was was far far more worth your time than the actual two to three hours of that movie. All that to say, the first movie that we're going to review, the one that actually comes out next week, is a movie called Jupiter Ascending. What's fun about this series oh. is you're probably you probably have heard of these movies. That's the point. They put all that out there for you to go see it, but you didn't yeah. because you heard we that it was not this, good. <laughs> we could have called this series. Oh yeah, that movie. Yes. <laughs> right. Oh, that exists. Um, yeah. So we'll have something of a sci-fi epic to talk about tomorrow something, with Channing Tatum and Mila Kunis. I love those sci-fi epics. Uh, Eddie Redmayne. I mean, there's there's a lot of big names, but it's a big flop. And so we'll we'll talk about that next week. Very excited. Mm. Yeah, I am too. And uh, Jupiter's ascending, and so are we, out of the murky depths of shout announcements, Ooh. and straight back uh, to the episode. And we're back to the show, the podcast we make together. Two chunks and a hunk. Thanks for listening. Okay. Should we talk about Randall's evil plan? Before that, yeah. I do want to say we went into the transition. I think it's okay for all of our listeners too to hear us talk about Boo a little bit more and how cute she is. I was Absolutely. thinking about during shout announcements. I think, I mean, her cuteness is honestly a narrative necessity. 100%. I think Sully has to have someone, you know, he goes from head scarer, totally respecting what he does, being ignorant to what it's having some kind of influence on children. And it needs to be something that it's well, like. And only caring about scaring, like essentially only focused on scaring and that's it in his life. Yeah. And I, I think if yeah. Boo is not as cute as she is, or at least, I mean, she's far surpassed how cute she needed to be, but right. she had to reach some point for us to be able to be like. You know what? That's a career changer. That's a that's a life changing relationship. Yeah, there's like a certain threshold of believable cuteness that she has to hit before we're like, yeah, I get why he would kind of fall in love with this little kid. Yep. You know, and I think she definitely. I think you're right. She surpassed that benchmark for sure. It's great stuff. Which is why Randall's plan makes me so angry. How are you gonna do that to my girl Boo? <laughs> that is horrendous. And that machine, the scare extractor. Or the yeah. scream extractor, yep. very scary. Do you know fungus? Like. You know fungus. Randall's assistant is Frank Oz. No, so I, he crazy. was talking, and I was like, "That sounds like Fozzie Bear." <laughs> oh wait, no, it is. That's Frank Oz. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I had no idea. Yep, Mrs. Piggy. I, you know, talking it's about just the, Miss Piggy. No, that's true. <laughs> She's not married. That's true. Uh, talking about the terror of Randall, um, I want to share my super dump. Okay. We, we've already talked about a movie that is almost perfect. It's really hard for us to find a super dump for here. This one was pretty clear to me. And I think with the mood of Monsters, Inc., it's interesting. So in, in The Incredibles, uh, there was a lot at stake because people were actually dying. Like we were seeing people. I mean, it, we don't see blood or anything, right? But we would say that there's a, there's a, a head count. Is there not in Incredibles? Like that's oh, a Pixar movie sure. where people die. Um, Somebody probably died, yeah. The, the scene in Monsters, Inc., when Randall's invisible, it's a cool effect, but he's choking out Sully. Like, and we can see him around Sully's neck. To me, I think is a little too much. And again, Disney has a history, right? Like, uh, Ursula has terrified uh, people in their mid-30s ever since they were kids, right? Because right. she turns massive and we see her stabbed in the gut and she dies. Uh, boat, yeah. We have, uh, oh my goodness, sure. Clayton literally hangs himself on a vine in Tarzan yeah. and that's traumatic, but I don't feel like, I, I don't feel like the stakes were the same in Monsters, Inc. that we needed something like that. It almost felt like they were doing it to show how cool it would be. Like what if, what if this big fuzzy bear was being choked out to death by a lizard and we couldn't see the lizard? Like we know what's happening, but to me, I think it was just too much. I think it hmm. was, uh, I think it was, it's really strange because I think the animation was too good. I think that was something that like, it was I, like I don't know. too intense. Maybe I think there's so many times that you could just pause during that scene and it's semi terrifying, like with his tongue out and his eyes rolling back. It was, it, it felt way too intense for me. And again, the stakes are supposed to be high. I think we get enough of that later and the fact to have the twist of water noose and all that stuff that I don't think we need. It's, it's interesting though, because I feel like punches would have been fine. Like he's getting kicked around by right. something he can't yeah. see. 
Um, just choking out feels too much. And, yeah. And then that's why this feels picky yeah. because at this point it's, I think it's, of course it's specifically my opinion and that's the point of the podcast is to have three different opinions, but right. I, I, I just thought that was too much. about the choking versus kicking or punching. Like there is something that's more Boo's watching. Right. Like I, the point is for Boo to have a completely different vibe, right? Randall is her monster and that's an awesome part of the script. Um, and to have her monster go directly against her new monster, which is Sully, who's almost like family now. But don't you feel like that little girl's going to remember that too? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. probably. That yeah. image of her, like if, if I, I don't know. I just don't think Boo should there's have been so there. Maybe that's about, my problem. There's so much about these Pixar movies that like, especially these as we get later into our series that people have loved more and more and more and are clearly better and better and better movies. Like... I feel like I have a hard time responding when either one of you guys super dump other than like, I mean, yeah, I can see that. It just doesn't bother me. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. No, that's, that's a good point. It is, it is hard. It's hard to yeah. <laughs> acknowledge the faults, but I, I do see that. And I do, I do think I agree with that. And I'll say, I'll say too, this wasn't something that stuck with me from the first watch. I honestly didn't remember it until this watch until like looking at things a little bit more critically. And so, and and looking at things to say, Hey, what's my least favorite. I don't think I ever look at a movie for the first time watch, um, and, and just be like, okay, wait, what's, I I need to make sure and find what my least favorite thing about this is. It's usually something that comes up organically later. And so that's a weird thing about the podcast, but that's my super dump. No, I, I think that's valid. Um, so that scene is after they go meet up with John Ratzenberger's abominable snowman. Is John Ratzenberger also the Italian guy at the beginning? Sounds like it. It does sound like it. Tony. Um, the abominable snowman is very good. Um, so good. Th- this is, so this honest, oh, that's what I was going to say too. The choking scene. It, it's, it's weird because I, I hear what you're saying, but Mike also gets to be really funny there. Um, yeah. and same with the abominable snowman stuff, like everything here, it's just the perfect blend of like, you're sad and you're concerned for how Mike and Sully are going to get back and save boo. But also everything in this cave is hilarious. The, yeah. the snow cones, the fact that they're yellow, his reactions to everything, the fact that he's got all this like ski gear in the corner is very it's, funny it's, to I'm me. I kind of feel sorry for him because they leave him. It's like the first oh, yeah, friends totally. he's had in a long time. Totally. Yeah. No, and it's, I mean, and also the animation of the snow in Sully's hair on his shoulder. Oh my gosh, is it's unbelievable. Like so really it still good. holds up today, 19 years after this movie came out. Jeez. I mean- I read that it took 11 to 12 hours per frame for Sully. Uh-huh. Wow. That's wild because they're, they're animating separate hairs. They, they know the exact amount. It was like 2.3 million hairs on uh-huh. his body. Unreal. I can't even fathom. If you happen to own the DVD of this, uh, or if you can track down like a two, one of the two disc Blu-ray ones that has all the original bonus content on it, there's like long documentaries about the process. Cause this is the first time that, hair has been rendered in this way for animation yep uh that, that we use a particle system the same way that we would uh do like sparks or dirt and we just said instead of like pieces of something flying all over the place these are pieces that are now anchored to a character that's moving through and reacting to wind and to yeah. different things like snow and it's, it's just unbelievable to Sully's breath even in the beginning whenever he wakes up he's breathing and the hairs on his arms are moving mm-hmm. out with his yeah. exhales I think, um, I think it's good to bring up because we're not going to have the Pixar conversation again, probably for a long time to be like in the middle and at the end of this series, we've talked about the creativity of Pixar. Um, and I think it's fun to see them be creative in separate ways. And I have very much, I think the best thing I've gotten out of this and the newest thing is talking about the progression of what they were able to do with animation. And we've brought it up almost every episode, but I, it's even creative how they were able to work around not having that technology. When you talk about hair, I'm thinking back to Toy Story when they're like, hey, everybody's got a, their hair back or they have a hat on. Like they yep. knew what they were capable of and then just put all of the all of the time and more into all that they could do. Right. Yeah. That is, and continue that is to push to themselves the most, forward. The most inspiring and important thing about these early Pixar movies that like my so a peek behind the curtain this is not my job. I have a real job, an actual job that which I go to and I get money in exchange for my time. And, uh, that's also a creative job. And so this to me, like the most inspiring and important thing is that Pixar always lets the best idea carry the day. 
Yeah. Like they don't say like, here's our limitations. And so we're not going to do some of these things. They say, no, this is the best idea we can have. And here's our structures. And so we're going to fit this idea into the structures that we already have in place. Yeah. But it's so clear that the idea comes first. They worry about the what before they worry about the how of all of these projects. Yep. Yeah. No, I think that's really good. Love it. Um, I think, I think one of the places that, um, like the emotions of this movie are on display are Sully's scare demonstration. Um, I don't think there's a lot to talk about there other than everything is just really heightened in that moment. It's very sad. Boo is adorable when she's scared. Um, but I want to skip back in time real quick in the movie to the locker room. The, you got any odorant? Yep. Yeah. Mike's giant contact lens, the odorant, everything yep. going on in here is the perfect Dude. example the fact that his contact was just sitting in his locker yeah, it's gross. does gross me out big time. But they monsters though. <laughs> but it's, so everything here is that world building you were talking about. Um, it's, 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 but it's not world building for world building's sake. It is funny. Like yeah. everything that happens in this locker room is hilarious and also builds out this world into a more believable whole structure. And I think it just, it feels so lived in, like there's correct. stuff that they didn't even need to do. Like the fact that Sully and Mike's chairs look like they are made for them and they look like them. That tail Sully's, hole in the back of Sully's, Sully's chair. chair has a hole for his tail. Right. Like, of course it does. Right. How could he sit in it yeah. comfortably otherwise? Exactly. Like just that level of Carter, you've talked about thoughtfulness before. It's just like everything, like you can't find a, a plot hole in it. You know what I mean? And even like a world hole where it's like, well, Sully couldn't actually sit down like that. Well, no, they thought about that. Right. And they put a tail hole in his yeah. chair. Right. Yes. Brilliant. Um, so <laughs> I think, and, I, and I'll make a, I'll make a strong statement here. You guys tell me where you land on this. Uh, I think the best sequence in this movie is the door chase, just the whole thing from yeah. top to bottom. Um, everything here at the end, I think between the music, the action, um, such a unique scene as far as like it involves it's kind of teleportation it's kind of dr strange's portals it's kind of a roller coaster i don't know it's it's got i just started playing i just started playing portal again just firing up some community test chambers (laughs) this is exactly what it felt like right yeah i mean it's it i love the idea that there's something for him to hold on to so he doesn't fall because he's holding on to the floor of a bedroom that's not on the other side of the door. I don't know, man. Yeah. It's, yep. It is this, crazy. This entire scene is my super pump. Yes. Because I'm sitting there just over an hour into the movie and I'm watching all of this stuff happen. That's crazy and that it's just over an if, hour in. If you were to take yeah. this shot, right? If you were to take this scene three minutes and just randomly show it to people before anyone knows Monsters, Inc. exists or anything like that, outside of it being impressive, right? Pixar's impressive. No one has any idea what's going on. This makes zero sense. And yet, they have taken just 60 minutes. And I can tell you why everything is happening in this bizarre, beautiful, creative scene. And that is a super pump for me. The fact that this, this is the result of the world building. They did all of that to bring us here, to be able to say... Like this makes sense. It's and some of it's surprising in a brilliant way too that it's supposed to be. It's like, oh gosh, yes, they're so smart to be able to use that. And we're like, wait, but they're we're talking about monsters using something that we just learned was even existing 40 minutes ago. You know, it's like right. it's crazy. But it's so viable that it's it didn't just exist 40 minutes ago in their world. Like it's not right. new to them. Right. You know, and you it's even lived in. It's thought through. Yeah. And if you're if you're even looking at when characters were introduced, we get Mike and Sully first, but there's four characters that are an integral part of this entire scene. And two of them, we know the stakes for both of them completely. Right. So they also gave us enough time to say, well, that's valuable. And he's scary. Right. Yeah. Uh, and we just blue. found out the Randall twist. Like we knew he was bad, but we just found out the Randall twist literally seconds before that he's working right. with Water News. Right. Boo, Boo's turn in this bedroom when Sully says she's not afraid of you anymore. That's yeah. good stuff. That's really good. good. Stuff. That, that was a. Uh, it's it's very different, but similar in some ways. But I, it's kind of how I felt when Captain Marvel stood up, and we yep. had the the several scenes of of her just getting back up and and yep, character growth and stuff like that. But yeah, very very good. And it's funny we're talking about a movie where a toddler girl decides she's not afraid of the monster in her closet anymore. And we're talking about how inspiring that is. 
<laughs> but it is though, right? It really is. Yeah. Like in that moment, you're like, yeah, boo, get him. <laughs> yeah. That's why the door scene funny. is so impressive to me too, because it's, we have for our main good guys, for Mike, Sully, and Boo, we're seeing all of them have this character growth, right? And right. like an arc of sorts. And this is the penultimate. Like it's all happening here. Like, it, yeah, I just can't get over it. That's probably one of the most impactful scenes in a Pixar movie for me, hmm. of any Pixar yeah. movie, is this. Yeah, it does. It, it really does feel like everything kind of culminates here in a really yeah. intentional way. They're checking every movie watching box, though, because right. they also gave us action, right? And a chase sure, and yeah. like all these things that they didn't have to do. So this this feels like the moment that Pixar was like, hey, it's like we're officially the real deal. Because up until this, it was like you made a toy movie, a bug movie and another, another one toy of those toy movie. movies. Yeah. And they it's not that they're not good because they're amazing. But this to me feels like a whole different level of of competency from Pixar. There's something transcendent about it, maybe. So we did. Talk, speaking of competency, we talked about Carter, how you didn't like my first super dump. Does it help if I super dump the fact that Shrek won an Oscar over this movie? That Shrek <laughs> yeah. won the best animated feature Oscar and this did not. Is that an acceptable super dump? Yes, you are welcome to do that. Dude, a that rock in a hard place. Dump. A rock in a hard place. That's an cat. I believe that's a 100% Academy move, though. Dude, I think I was thinking about it last night. I think if it was reversed and Pixar had made Shrek and DreamWorks made Monsters Incorporated and the products were exactly the same, Monsters Incorporated would have won. Because mm-hmm. I think that that is not an indicator of quality. That's a, wow, you did what Pixar does. You can do it too. We love that. And you get an Oscar. Yeah. This is, Monsters Inc. Is, is unquestionably the better movie here. It is the better achievement in filmmaking. Um, I freaking love Shrek. <laughs> I do too. And, and they, it was a, it was a really good scenario for the Academy, I think. And we're going straight into conspiracy right now, but I think that that's what we do. I think Shrek though. So, uh, Monsters Inc. Not winning the Oscar is like a bummer for people that love Monsters Inc. But Shrek winning is, is a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar, like shot in the arm for Hollywood, right? To be able to say like, well, Pixar's not the king anymore. Anybody can do something good. Like, I wonder if Shrek didn't win. Do they, is there still the head of steam? Like, do they still feel like, do we, do we get the same movies we do from DreamWorks and other animation? Here's the thing. I think if Shrek didn't win, we probably don't get like over the hedge and like stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I think we probably don't get those middle of the road to low. Like we probably don't get the emoji movie if Shrek didn't win. But without, without stuff like that, do we get how to train your dragon and stuff? Do we get stuff that is like a modern animated masterpiece? I think, I think all it does is raise the threshold of competency. I think we learned the wrong lessons from Shrek. And I think we said, Oh, it's gotta be goofy and crude rather than no, it has to be technically proficient it has to be, I mean, going back to what I said at the beginning of our series, it has to be artistic and didactic. Like it has to have a capital P purpose and a capital S story to tell. And then it also has to be technically proficient and beautiful to look at. Right. Yeah. I think, I think what's it's tough sort of like, too is, go ahead, Jordan. I was going to say, I think it's Shrek <laughs> in a lot of ways. You could compare it to, um, I'm going to go with Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam is a fine band that put out some pretty great music and then a bunch of people said, let's make a copy of that. And it was terrible because they didn't realize what made Pearl Jam good. Yeah. I think I think what you're saying is exactly the same. Shrek is a great movie, plenty competent, very funny and thoughtful. And a bunch of people said, oh, the trick is gross out gags, gross out characters and pop culture references with pop music. Yeah. And then we end up with a bunch of bad stuff. Yeah. I think what's unique about this form of animation, so this computer genera- generated animation, which is like the new norm. Like if a cartoon cartoon movie comes out now, it's it's probably computer generated. Yeah. It is uh the uniqueness of all of this though is that we uh anyone who's uh well, I guess anyone our age, starting at our age or just a little bit younger, got to see this come into existence. Right. Yeah. And then continue to exist. And so uh what's interesting about that, it's like if movies started, the very first one that was made there's obviously things impressive about it because it's a moving picture, but right. then you get to look at everything else. And you're like, uh, can't hear them black and white content's not very smart. They're not doing much, right. But the very first yeah. intro into something completely different, it's not even, doesn't right. even feel like a genre. 
it's like just completely just weird different experiment. Techni- yeah, yeah. Was per was amazing. Like the first time we ever saw it. And so now I think, I think there's maybe is an unfair standard <laughs> because it just starts out that way because then it's like, yeah. You couldn't have said that about movies. It's like, well, then why did you have to bring romance into it? I don't, I don't get why cars have to fly. That makes no sense. You know, it's like, (laughs) why are we singing? I don't know why we're singing. Why didn't you just do what was good and stick with that? You know, it's right. No, it is tough. Now I, I know we're getting close to the end here, but I want to talk about my super dump and it is what I would call maybe the only plot hole in this movie. So we agree, right? That time moves in both the monster world and the human world at about the same rate, because they know when nighttime is, they know when it's the next night. I don't know that we can assume it's the same rate so much as just they've done, they've done the figures to understand when it is night. Okay. So let me rephrase that time passes in both simultaneously at some rate or another. Yes. And we know that since boo has been in the monster world, at least one extra night has passed because we've seen another set of scaring. Yeah. Where are her parents? We don't know how we don't know how quickly time moves. You can't. Uh, we just established that at least one whole night has passed. Right, but we don't know if time moves at like point two speed in the human world. <laughs> no, no, That's that would a be good ridiculous. Question. That means kids are getting scared by the same monster like a hundred times at, in one night. Maybe they are. Yeah. Uh, is there anything in the frame of this movie to say they're not? Yeah. What? Their their training sees the kid be put to bed. And they literally, actually, we know that it moves in the same place because they watch the sun go down in the different time zones. They're watching the human time zones. They're I'm gonna scaring. Google this. They're scaring. Google this. Based on time zones. I zone. think. Th- I think that's hilarious. Uh, so yeah, my super dump is like, do Boo's parents not care about her? Because if so, she would have been better off staying with Sully because he's a better parent than hers. So what makes you think they don't care about her? That they're not in the room when Sully gets back? Like. If, I guess if maybe, our daughter comes back, she's going to be coming back through her closet with sure, a monster. I hear that. <laughs> I, I think I think maybe it would have been a good touch to just see like red and blue lights flashing outside the house or something. Just something so to I've, show I've that found people care on, that this little girl has been gone for a day. I've found something on Reddit that will help us to understand this. It's a fan theory that time passes slower in the monster world than the human world. But we watch the time zones. If time passes slower in the monster world, it could allow for more chasing in the human world and running from closet to closet while explaining why it ran out after a short time in the monster world. The long view on this idea uh, explains why the monsters think kids are toxic to touch. The Black Plague was only like 100 years ago to them. If there's a difference in time rates, it would make sense for the monster technology to rectify that so the monsters can scare the kids. This is some Pixar stuff. Hey, 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 if they can do this by freezing the kid's room or having the whole scare take place in the span of a second... It would explain why adults never see monsters and kids can't get their parents to get to them in time. The whole scare doesn't take Does place in a second. We watched the kids be scared in real time. Yeah, this is too Pixar theory for you to... I. There's no way yeah, no, you are I reading know. all of that, Doge, and you're excited about it. I don't believe it's it. It's silly. I don't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I, it's I a just, plot hole. I, I, I hear what you're saying, Carter. Yeah, I, I don't think that the parent should have been like sitting on the bed, staring at the closet, waiting for her to come back. Just something to show that like the parents have discovered that she's not there and they're at least mildly concerned about it. Would have been great. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just wondering how do you write around point. that then? Because then the parents have to know the existence of the monster world. You no, know what I mean? Like, no, is not this if they're a not story? in the room when she comes back. I mean, then it's just, was our daughter abducted by alien? You know, monsters from the closet wouldn't be the first jump. Yeah. Again, yeah, I'm I mean, not even I think saying that, it needs to be the, a plot point so much as just some detail to let me know her parents acknowledge that she's gone and they're worried. I think the real world reason that doesn't exist in this story is because there's not room for it Correct. or a reason for Correct. it. Correct. But there is the in-universe question of like, what were her parents doing that they didn't notice their baby child was gone? Right. This is not a lesser movie because it's not there, but in-universe, it feels like Boo should have had somebody concerned about her absence. That's my I mean, point. I do hear you saying that's keeping you from liking it, though. I do hate this movie. The weird thing to me, there there is one just little weird hiccup, and it is funny to watch Sully faint over and over and over again while he thinks that she's in the garbage processing thing. Right. Carter, that's an example, though, of what you were talking about, where it's like that almost feels a little too far. Like we're watching our main character think that this baby child is getting smushed up into a garbage cube. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty yeah. That's pretty dark. It's, it's awful. Yeah, it's really dark. So if I was going to super dump anything besides the Academy not giving this an Oscar, it would be that scene. That is just like that feels like a little disconnect for me. That's fair. 
But it's a hilarious scene. Though. It is funny to watch funny. him faint over and over again. <laughs> His lip quiver when he shows Mike the cube is so funny because it travels about six inches in either direction. <laughs> yes. But that's the thing where it's like, that is, that is so funny to watch. But then if we think about what we're saying. Yeah, it's grim. It's funny that this big, soft, blue teddy bear monster thinks that a baby human child has been smushed up into this garbage cube. Right. It's pretty no, grim. That's like really sad. Of course he's crying. Now, speaking of sad, science bums me out because I don't understand it. So we have taken it and we have compressed it into an understandable form, much like a garbage cube containing a small toddler. Using the scientific cinema scale, we rank movies and rank them perfectly. That scientific cinema scale is as follows. The best thing we could ever say about a movie is own it, don't lend it, buy that poster. The next best thing we could ever say, that's buy it, followed by rent it, and then stream it. After that is forget it, and last, but certainly least, the worst thing we could ever say about a movie. God, God have forsaken, forsaken us. us. I'll go first. Okay. Um, you know, I was going to rank this higher, but after seeing the loophole that Jordan has opened my eyes to, <laughs> uh, no, it's a, I buy the poster. I think it is, I think I can make a pretty good argument that this is Pixar's most creative movie to date. Uh, and it is so special. I, I, I can't get over, we've mentioned totally. so many times about how this is between like 80 and 90 minutes and they created a world that really all it ever needed was the one movie. Monsters University is great, but Monsters Inc. would have had its cultural influence by yeah. itself. Monsters University is incredibly unneeded, yeah, unnecessary. I, I yeah. like Monsters University, but it gives me nothing, you know? <laughs> I think I agree. Um, I'm going to give this movie a buy that poster. I'm buying the poster. I love it. It's my favorite. I am for this movie, Monsters Incorporated, 2001's runner up for best picture. Uh, I am going to buy two things. And the first of those things is the poster for this movie. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is because I was the right age for it when it came out, I'm also going to buy the matching sheet set and have Monsters Inc. sheets <laughs> and a Monsters Inc comforter on my bed and monsters inc pillowcases and my room is going to be monsters inc i almost said just now oh i it would be funny if they had sheets with the name of that company they work for that company they work for is monsters incorporated <laughs> <It> sure <Yeah>. is. <laughs> yes. oh, man. i'm just now having a memory that's I called am, deja vu i am somewhat sure not a hundred percent but somewhat sure that i did have monsters inc undies yeah, that sounds about right. Interesting. Do you Monsters have none? Oh, he's showing them to us. He's wearing them now. They're made of a micromodal fabric that's up to 10 times softer than cotton. No. Go to Monsters Inc. Go to Monsters Inc. and enter the code two chunks for 10% off your first pair. The shortened version of that is M I Undies. That's me Undies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, that's good. Uh, yes. Hey, that is the end. Thus concludes our Pixar Picks. Pick what picks your Pixar Picks our series. I will miss I it. I loved this series. This is I one of my too. faves. Here's the thing, though. I think you guys discovered in our Incredibles episode that I have some grumpiness, some grouchiness that is yeah. Just we just found that out for the first time. I always thought you were barely super beneath, barely beneath the surface of this happy, goofy, wild, crazy veneer that I've got on top of it. And I'm ready to let some of that grumpiness out in our next series. I'm really, really excited to watch Jupiter Ascending. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> It's really not going to be much different than what we've been reviewing for the last two months, I think. Yeah, that's, that's just true. a bold, that's my a bold prediction for Jupiter Ascending is that we're going to like it more than Monsters Incorporated. I think oh we're going to talk a lot about how good the world building is like we did for this one. Yikes. Uh, Big yikes. Yeah. Hey, straight up, I watched part of that movie on a plane back from Guatemala on mute and I turned it off because it sucked so bad. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about right. So make sure you check that out. That'll be starting next week. Unfortunately, it's going to be great and terrible and also great. Now, to end today's episode, I'd like for us each to say our name and you have to replace either John Goodman or Billy Crystal with either Channing Tatum or Mila Kunis. You have to choose. For Two Chunks and a Hunk, I'm Jordan Wonders. And this time, Sully is going to be Mila Kunis from Jupiter Ascending. I'm Doge, and in this one, uh, Channing Tatum's going to be the alternate. 
<laughs> and so he's just going to kind of sub in depending on the scene. Sometimes he might be Sully. Sometimes he might be Mike. Just and he's going to be doing, word. <laughs> doing impressions of Billy Crystal and John Goodman, just in case one of them gets uh, dead, you know, gets a head cold and they can't come in and record their lines. Channing Tatum is there on retainer to fill in for him. That's good stuff. I'm Carter. And unfortunately, uh, in these outros, when we're presented two options as the third person, uh, <laughs> I look like I'm copying somebody. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm no, going to make my own there's rules. four options. I'm going to have Sean Bean mm. play. Not what you think. Mike Wazowski will be played yeah. by Sean Bean I as like a role that. from Jupiter Ascending. Mm. Um, he's going to really channel Boromir, though. Yeah, like very serious. So it, it'll be interesting. That. It'll be very serious, but and we'll lose him. He'll die. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Got to in the exact same way Boromir did. Like there's even hobbits. Like they they happen to open up a Shire door. It's a, a round crossover. door. It's One a crossover, guys. Congrats. I think you're accidentally just that. watching Fellowship instead. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So we faded somewhere in there, I'm sure. Or right now. <laughs> Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.